It was the night that Jesus was to be betrayed when he gathered his disciples together for the Passover. And after observing the Passover, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it. And he said to the disciples, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, drink it, all of you. For this cup is my blood of the new covenant that I make with you, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And so it began. You know the story. Jesus, after spending time with his disciples, went on to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was there in the Garden of Gethsemane that he, he left his disciples to pray while he went a little bit further, and he agonized in his spirit to the Lord. And it says three times he prayed, but I don't think these were three short Prayers. I think these were three times that he agonized. And the summary of these three times is, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. He went back to the disciples and found them sleeping and said, Couldn't you even pray for one hour? Watch and pray. And then he went back and prayed again to the Father, agonizing. Scripture tells us that he prayed. His agony was such that he sweat drops of blood. After doing this three times, he comes to the disciple and finds them praying, I'm sorry, sleeping again. And then he tells them, come for the, the time is at hand. My betrayer is here. And Judas came and kissed him on the cheek. Jesus was arrested by the temple guard. Peter drew his sword, cut one of the servants' ears off. Jesus very nonchalantly picks the ear up, puts it back on while addressing Peter, saying the time for swords will be later, but now the Son of Man is to be betrayed Jesus is taken that night and, and brought before the religious leaders. While they broke their own laws, they tried him for blasphemy and found him guilty. When morning came, they, they rushed him to see Herod who questioned him and finding no wrong, sent him on to be with Pilate, who questioned him. Again, finding no wrong, sent him back to Herod, then back one last time to Pilate. The problem that the religious leaders had was that they didn't have the authority to sentence someone to death. 
and they'd settle for nothing less than death for this Jesus of Nazareth. So Pilate, finding no guilt in Jesus, thinks he has a way out. He brings the worst offender that he could find, a murderer, this man named Barabbas. And as was his custom, he brought Barabbas and he brought Jesus and he said, I can find no guilt in this man, but which would you have me release, this Jesus or this Barabbas? And the crowd shouted, Barabbas. Pilate was stunned. For he thought surely they would release this Jesus in whom there was no fault. And he said, if, if I released Barabbas to you, then what shall I do with this Jesus? And the crowd shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Finally, Pilate relented. He washed his hands as if he could be guiltless. We've heard this story many times. In fact, at least every time we approach Easter. But, but please don't miss this. Barabbas was guilty. And yet he was set free. Jesus was guiltless, and yet he was condemned to death. So Jesus goes to the cross and is crucified. While hanging on the cross, Jesus gives us a little bit of an inkling into what is happening. The first thing he says from the cross is, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the one who spat on him, for him he died. The one who mocked him and said, he could save others, look, he can't even save himself, for him he died. For the one who had committed murder and yet was released in Jesus' place, Barabbas, for him, he died. The guiltless for the guilty. And then Jesus, after a while on the cross, cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I've heard some people say hey, at that moment that God didn't really forsake Jesus, but Jesus felt as if he did. Make no mistake what is going on here. God placed upon Christ the sin of us all. And while Jesus hung on the cross bearing our sin, God poured his wrath out upon him. Yes, God turned his face away from his son in that moment. For the first time in all of eternity, Jesus experienced separation from his father for us. 
And then in the end, Jesus says one last thing that gives us an idea of what happened on the cross. The, the word that he uttered was tetelestai. It's translated into English as it is finished. But you need to understand that this word means it's done, it's over, it's paid in full. And then scripture tells us that he breathed his last. Tonight as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Easter, we must first consider the cross. I can't think of a more vivid portrayal of what happened on the cross, not only the physical things, but the spiritual things, than what we find in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah writes this hundreds of years before Christ. He said, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Sure, he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Then Isaiah tells us why this had to take place. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and for his generation... Who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Isaiah finishes verse 12 by saying, Because he poured his soul out to death, And he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. 
When we think of the cross, often we think that, yes, Jesus died on the cross for my sin, but we don't consider really what the cross means. Paul writes it like this in 2 Corinthians. For our sake, he that is God made him, that is Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might in him become the righteousness of of God. You see what happened on the cross was that God placed our sin upon Christ. And then God emptied his wrath out for our sin upon Jesus. It was at that moment that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus not only bore our sin on the cross, but he bore the punishment for our sin. We were set free and he was condemned. We were guilty. And yet the one who was without guilt is the one who paid the price. Make no mistake The cross changes everything. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. This is my blood, which is the new covenant that I make with you. Consider the cross where it changed everything.